after a messy relationship with God. The series we're in for the year is called Courageous Conversations. And what we're talking about this year is the fact that there are some conversations that are important to have if you want to have a good life. And one of the conversations that's important is to talk about the messy things in life. To talk about the things that are not really cool and the things that really are a challenge. In the book of Exodus chapter 20, God pulls Moses aside and said, come up here to the mountain, I want to talk to you. And in this conversation, God says, there are ten things that concern me that could become messy. And they're called the Ten Commandments. And these are ten topics that were really important to God because it's the only thing he wrote down for Moses. And he said, I'm going to write this with my own pen. Thou shalt not, and he began to write the list. Now, what's fascinating to me is that these ten things are divided into three basic categories. And I want you to, if you, this is not in your notes, if you want to write this down, you can. But I said it last week, it's in last week's notes. There, there are three categories, and these three categories have helped me so much because I had a hard time remembering the Ten Commandments, to be honest with you. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, I, I get a couple of them right. I knew thou shalt not lie, I knew that one, you know, thou shalt not murder, I knew that was in there, you know, treat your mama right, you know, daddy right. But I, I couldn't get the order right in my head. The categories have helped me. So repeat the categories with me, please. Say, our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with others. The first three of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. So imagine the conversation goes like this. Moses, I'm concerned, first of all, with how they relate to me. I want to talk about our relationship as, you know, God and people. And Moses, the first thing that concerns me is they'll have other gods before me, which is what we're going to talk about today. Thou shalt have, in verse 3 of Exodus chapter 20, no other god before me. That's the concern. Now, think about that. Why is that a concern? Why would God be concerned? Because he knew that was the greatest temptation. The second concern was that you create carved images, that you would literally take a piece of wood and say, this is God. God is a Baptist, right? Is it? God is a Catholic, right? God is a Presbyterian. If you're not careful, you do the same thing today. God is American. God is African-American. God's white. He's Asian. We tend to carve God in our image. That's next week's sermon. The God you carve. The third thing he was concerned about is that you take the name of the Lord in vain, which is not just saying bad words, by the way. It's, li- it's taking his name and embarrassing it. It's taking on his name. <clears throat> you call yourself a temple and you live a certain way, it's embarrassing to me because you're a temple. Even if you're a Savannian, right? You're from Savannah, and Savannah goes someplace and does something in New York, and you go, oh, boy, somebody from Savannah did that? You're taking my name and embarrassing it. You say you love me, right? Why do you live like that? You take me with you to every site you go to. Every time you log in to that site with my name on your life, it's an embarrassment to me. I don't know if you, your mom ever told you this. My mom used to tell me, don't embarrass me, boy. Don't make me come down to that school. 
She told me, and she never had to come. She told me, she said, listen, two things I'm not going to do. I'm not, come get, I'm not getting you out of jail. If you go to jail, you stay. She, my mama had this thing. She convinced me of certain things. She made me believe a believer. She said, I promise you, now, if you get a three-day punishment, it's three 24-hour days, no probation. And secondly, she told me, and she said, you know, listen, I'm not coming to your school. I have to work. I'm a single parent. I'm not coming to your school. I don't have time to come down there and, and tell you to be quiet. So I'm telling you now, be quiet. <laughs> she did. That was her, that was her, and she never had to come down there because I felt that the little small woman was crazy. Anyway, <clears throat> so God says, I'm concerned about those three things. Secondly, he says, I'm concerned about our relationship, your relationship with yourself. Now, this is really interesting. Because it's, it's about the Sabbath, it's the, it's the, it's the fourth commandment. And, and when people hear that, they always think, you know, you should rest. And that's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean go to church, by the way. It, church is fine to do, on, you know, it's fine to go to church. I'm glad you're here. But that's really not the focus of the Sabbath. It was stopping, it was having balance in your life. And then the, the sex third category deals with our relationship with others, which has to do with, just, first of all, dishonoring your parents. Honor your mother and your father that your days may be long, it says. It says, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, and thou shalt not covet. Five things. Honor your parents, that's number one, thou shalt honor thy parents. Number two, thou shalt not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not lie, not covet. Those are just all ten commandments, three categories. And I thought, oh, man, I get, I get this. And, I'm, and now, if you don't do these things, here's what he says, I believe. It's going to be messy. Start lying, murder. Just look around our society, adultery, all that creates messy. So here is the question for you. Is your relationship with God messy from his perspective? Now, here's what I want you to do. Come in my chair, would you please? I want to show you something. I want you to think about this. I want you to get an image in your mind because this is important. Everybody decides where they place God, and that is the big question for today. Come on, say, where? Come on, join me. Say, where have you placed God in your life? Who's first? Where'd you place him? I don't place him for you. You place him for yourself. Now, this is important because if you can get honest about this and say, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of stuff in front of him in my life. Now, here's what Jesus said, and I want you to note this, if you would, please. Jesus responds to this incredible context by saying, Matthew 22, 34, there's a conversation between he and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the greatest, which is the, which is the great commandment in the law? It's the greatest commandment in the law. Tell me, Sir, in your opinion, Jesus answered and said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Every Jewish person heard that and knew exactly what he was talking about. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. They quoted it every time they went to the temple. Everybody knew it. The Shina, they called it. It was a well-known statement. He hit that right out of the park. The second commandment he goes on to say is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Verse 39, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. First of all, you shall love the Lord your God with all your what? 
heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here's the deal. If a man gives you notes, you can't be lost, right? Come on, join me. <laughs> you shall love the Lord your God, and it's in bold prints. I'm really cooking here. Watch this, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. heart. There you go, folks. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. mind. That, that's, that's the top. That's at the top. I want to be placed at the top of your priority list. That, my friend, is what he said is the most important thing you can ever do in your life. It's where you place God. Now, what's interesting is to know if you've done that, you need a test. So there is a, what I call the, the test that you put God in the right place. There's three things you do. You ready? Number one, there's the heart test. Sit up with me, please. Come on. Come on, say the soul test test. and the mind test. test. If I want to know if you put God first and if he's first in your heart, your soul, and your mind, you need to test all three of those areas. Here's what the heart test consists of. You ready? He's at the center of your, your attention and the foundation of all your values. If I looked at the, the way, if I looked at the center of all of your life and said, okay, here's, here's this person's values. If God is truly at the top of my life, then he's at the center of all of my attention and the foundation of all my values. He's the heart of me. It's, it's, he's, he's, he's at the heart of why I treat you this way. He's at the center of why I respond that way. Second test, the soul test. He has given influence over your intellect. This is important. How you think, your emotions, how you feel, and your will, what you choose to do. Say all three of these, please. Say intellect, intellect. Emotion, emotion, and will. The soul test exposes something that's very profound, and it's really often lost. People don't always get it. My soul and my, my spirit, the terms are used interchangeably in Scripture, and it's really the spirit being, it's the essence of who I am. It's the part that makes the body come alive. Without a soul, you just kind of land there. And so there's, there's this soul impact, and my soul is, is what controls how I think, how I feel, and what I will to do. So if I really want to know where that all is, What I need to do simply is pay attention to what I think about. That tells me where I placed it, how I feel about things. Do I grieve over what he grieves over? Do I have the same passions he has? If he's passionate about loving people, am I passionate about loving people? My intellect tells the story, how I feel tells the story, and what I choose to do. It's it's what I end up doing. Those things say a lot about where he's placed in my life. Not just because you come to church. This is easy. Look, all you do is come in here, right? You sit down, right? Get a piece of paper, all the notes in front of you, right? And you go, talk, preacher. Sing. That was good. That was bad. I don't like that song. Okay. What's she wearing? Okay. (laughs) And And if you're not careful... You feel really, really good. You go home and you say, well, I went to church. It was so good. And, and I'm saying, okay, that, that proves what? About the placement of God in your life? 
It's a valuable thing because hopefully it helps you grow, and that's the only reason you should come here, if it helps you grow and become a better person. And I, I think it's really important for you to get that in your mind because it's, it's, it's really the test. Oh, my God, the three tests, the heart test, the soul test. What's the last one? The mind test. All right. The mind test. He has, he has strong sway over the way you think. His will and philosophy can veto your will and philosophy anytime. Is he at the center of your life? That's the bottom line. Is he really at the center? And I gave you some commentaries there you can look at on your own that kind of give you a basic summation. talks about the Sheena and all that good stuff and how important it is to love God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. And he explains all that so you can read it on your own. But I wanted to simply go, go a little further to the second person that kind of brings light to this topic. Jesus said, I need to, I, God needs to be first. Moses explains some of why. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where this is first stated, 4, 5, and 6 in Deuteronomy, if you go back and look at it, there is a, um, there is a warning that he gives to the children of Israel when he makes this statement in Deuteronomy. He kind of warns them in chapter 7 that if you, don't, if you don't make the right relationship choices, the right placement choices, you get in trouble. And God knew this. That's why when he called Moses to the mountain in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, the first thing he says is, I'm really concerned about me being first. I'm really concerned about the placement of me in their life. Because if they don't place me properly in their life, three things will happen. And Moses articulates this in chapter 7, and I'm done for the day. It's an easy sermon. Watch this. You ready? First thing he says is, they need to understand that when you enter into a relationship, that will impact your future. Whoever you choose to place first in your life, there's an impact that will happen if you put the wrong person first. And he describes why he says this in chapter 7, verse 1 of Deuteronomy. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and cast out many nations... Before the Hittites, before you rather, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and who else? When did you say the what? Perizzites, right? And the Hivites, and who else? Jebusites. So when you take all seven of these great nations that are greater and mightier than you, when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them. Listen carefully. You shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no what? Covenant with them. Nor show what? Mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons and take their daughters to, for your son. Who you enter into a relationship with, he's saying, will have a great impact on your future. So let me give you some, some future insights. He knew what would happen. See, God says, I want to be in relationship with you, and I want to be first. I want, I want first slot. If I'm not, it will have an impact. And he says, let me tell you where it's going to start, with the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all these other people you're going to meet. And when you meet all these other people, and you get in the promised land, and you get to a place of comfort, you're going to tend to forget me. And you're going to start marrying these folks, and you're going to start rolling into these relationships 
and relationships are going to move you in the wrong direction. But not only will it affect your future, the second thing he says is going to affect the future of your children. So please watch this in verse 4. For they shall will turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Now, now catch this. This is what's going to happen if you don't place me in the right spot. You're going to put me behind all these Gergesites and Hivites and Jebusites you meet. So everybody's in front of God and God is kind of behind all these other folks instead of being first in your life. And the result you'll see in your children. If you want to see the result, look at your children. This is the warning, he says. It's going to be messy. It's going to be really messy. You're saying, Pastor, that it's all my fault? No, I'm not. Kids make decisions. You can do the right things, and kids can do the wrong things. Come on, give me an amen. amen. I get that. But if we're really honest, sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes choices we make, we work so hard to never talk to them. We introduce them to Gergesites, Hivites, and Jebusites. We allow, because sometimes it's family. Sometimes our family are the Hivites, Jebusites. <laughs> I mean, I love family, but I'm saying, to be honest, there are moments when we compromise because it is somebody we like and love. And so we now end up serving other gods, and this is what he said will happen. They'll serve other gods, and the anger of the Lord will arouse against you. And destroy you suddenly. That's what will happen. Now God's plan was to make you a special person. Chose you to be a people for himself. Verse 6 says. A treasure above all the people of the earth. That was his plan. But what makes that hard is what you've chosen. It's the decision you make. You are not first God. And, and that, that takes courage to sight. The third thing that will happen is it will affect and impact all your life outcomes. It has this way, when you make this decision to make God second, third, and fourth behind life, business, money, everything else, he says what happens is your life outcomes. It's 10 years down the road. You know, one of the things that in this, these news cycles and stuff, all this stuff that I, you see, you know what I thought? Eh, it's all temporary. If you live long enough, it all comes to the light. In the end, it's all over in a short period of time when you look back. And, and I, I, I just understand that when we deny God as a nation, when we deny God as a family, when we deny God as a church, and we put other things in front of him, like, watch this, you ready? This will surprise you, church growth. It's all about getting bigger. It's all about being famous. A lot of preachers, if they're not careful, the whole thing is about fame. Notoriety, I'm not against that. I want, I'm, I'm a high achiever. I want more. I want, I'm working hard. I'm planning on going back to school. I got visions for my life. What? Please. I want something. I don't want to be broke. Come on, say amen. amen. That's for you. That ain't for me. I'm sorry. That's how you, I'm sorry. When I talk to people, they get like, that's for you. Tell me what you don't want again. That's good. God bless you. 
I want it all. I want everything God's got for me. Praise God. I don't want to miss anything. Come on, say amen. I want everything God has for me. And I'm not, that's not about stuff either. Stuff is nice, but stuff I found doesn't make you happy long anyway. You, you, know, you buy one pair of shoes, you need another pair, right? You buy one jacket, then you get tired of wearing that jacket. You wore that enough. Now you need another what? Jacket. You know, to get a pair of jewelry. What happened? You need another jewelry. You know what I mean? I, I just, I, you know, it's not my, ring, my finger swells. Sometimes I can't wear a red ring too much, but I got, I'm going to bling today. But if I could bling, I'd bling all. Y'all, you know I'm blind, blind all y'all. I come in here just blinging. <laughs> you done flipped out now. You can wear rings again. Look at him. He's cracking up. Give me a big chain. No, I ain't going to do all that. But <laughs> He's going back in time. Something happening to him. But I've just learned that that doesn't make you happy. It just, putting, putting things in the right place in my life is important. And understanding the danger of putting the wrong things in the wrong place. If you meet a nice person, you don't need to put them in the front seat of your life. Yeah, you're cute, you're fine, you're good looking, but you can't sit in front of God. I can't put you up here. I can't do that. I had a guy, he told me, he said, uh, he's, he's wonderful, he's wonderful. He, he told me, he said, uh, man, I love the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. And he used to come by my house and he had the worst smelling feet. God, Jesus, have mercy. And he's always taking shoes off. He said, put your shoes back on, man. Put your shoes. <laughs> he said, Temple, I can't help it. I can't help it, man. He said, I got I to take them off. They hurt. I know they're rough, but he's, <laughs> he's talk. I said, oh, please, Jesus. So he'd take his shoes off. And, uh, and he would sit there, and he would tell me, you know, I love the Lord until she come in town. He called her Egypt. He gave her a name. <laughs> that was our code name. I never knew the girl's name. I never, never found out a name. But he said, oh, I love Jesus. When Egypt come, oh, I can't even see the Bible. I can't even see it. I can't even see a Bible verse. <laughs> he said, I go straight into bondage. Time she land is over. <laughs> oh, man. I laughed with him. I prayed with him. And he died suddenly. And I remember two things, Egypt and his death. Sang like an angel, too. He sang like an angel. I heard him one day singing in church. He used to have testimony service. Just one more time. He sang that thing, boy. Just one more. I said, who is that? I looked around, there he was. My friend. Man. What's your Egypt? What's in front of God in your life? What sits on the throne of your life? If I looked at your heart, I looked at what you thought about, I looked at what you do, I would say it's not a relationship with God. Because when they come around, all that goes away. All of it goes away. And the outcomes in your life prove it. Verse 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. 
Now, this is hard because who wants to think that your life says you hate God? But can I ask you something? If your spouse, girlfriend, whatever, never spent time with you, only called you on the weekend for an hour and a half, how close are you? If every, if every mention of money made them mad, why are you bringing up money? Uh, I'm not here for, to give you money. And you say, but we're in a relationship. But what's that got to do with money? <laughs> I just want to live here. I don't want to pay for anything. I want you to think about how loved you feel. And every time they got some money, do the last one they think about. Now, now God's pretty clear. He says, you know, your, your life outcomes could be because you and I are at odds. And I, I, some of what I, I think happens in families is tied to judgment. I really do. I, 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 sometimes I look at families and I say, you have hated God in your day-to-day life. If I looked at where you placed him in your life, if I look at what you put up here, he would conclude you don't like me. You do that on far less with people that you know. If I, you, can, you can text somebody and say, did you see my text? If you love me, you answer that. Some of you, you text them and you wait. One, two. Oh, I know he saw my text. I know he saw that text message. Then you text me, do you see my message? Then you wait again. One, two, three. You get, I mean, you're mad over a text message. I mean, fiery mad when you see him. What were you doing today? Let me see your phone. <laughs> I've seen more relationships destroyed over these phones. Sometimes when they get rid of these phones, don't get rid of them. Let me see your phone. Oh, 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 you got my text message exactly at 9.05. Did you respond? No, it's called a job. They don't allow me to respond to your text messages. Because they know if you text me, you're going to text back, text me. You get so mad and you feel unloved. Don't ask God about your responses to him. You heard a sermon how many years ago? You still haven't responded to that message. And so, question of the day, where have you placed God in your life? I want you to think about that for the rest of the week. And I want you to back up for just a moment and allow yourself to say, maybe I need to think about where he's placed. And maybe I need to say, you know, God, I need to give you a more prominent place in my life. Father, I pray that what we've said today will resonate in the heart of your people. In these few minutes together, I pray they've thought about their relationship with you and where they stand, how they treat you. It was your first concern that we would put no other God, no other priority in front of you. As a church, that must be our commitment, that we're not going to put anything in front of you. We're going to be a committed people, And I declare in Jesus' name that your hand will be upon us as a people and that we will love you and we will serve you and we will trust you. And I believe our life incomes will say that. Our children, the fruit in our children will say it. The impact on our future will say it. 
we love you with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. And so, God, we give you praise today. Now, Lord, if there's anybody here that would say, either in the building or watching from home or on demand, and that person would say, I know what Pastor Rick said today is true. Placement of God in my life has not been the best. I do everything else first. When I get up in the morning, I do other things first. But Lord, I pray that would change today. I pray that they would say in Jesus' name, Lord, you are first today. I give you praise and glory. Would you look at me for a second before I conclude this prayer? Every morning is a tradition for me, and I try to do it every night. I, I really, throughout the day, I pray a prayer. I'll say, Lord, before I get up, I'll say, Lord, today I pray your word over my life. I pray your blessings over my life. I pray that you would prosper me and guide me. And before I go to bed at night, I'll say, Lord, let your word rest on me tonight as I sleep. I pray your blessing. I want you to be the alpha and the omega of my day. I want you to be the lunchtime pause in prayer. I want you to be the one that I make time for. And I, I, I want to cut this television off. I want to fast this television for, and not watch five hours of TV, God, and ignore you. There's something, Lord, about saying to you, you are first in this block of time. God, I pray that the congregation today would leave you with a fire and a passion to reignite their love for you, to reignite their commitment to you. And I believe the impact will be powerful on their children, on their future, and all their outcomes as they put you first. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, what you said made me think about my walk with God. And I want to I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe I've been a good person, and, but I, I just haven't really done that. He's not been at, on the throne of my life. If you look at my heart, if you look at my, how I think, if you look at how I live, what I say, words I use, it's, it's obvious that he's not been a part of my choices. But I want to make him the top choice today. If you want me to pray that prayer for you, I want you to raise your hand. Say, pray, pray that prayer. I want to give Jesus my life. I see you. Anybody else saying pray? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you back there. I see you back there. Anybody else? I see the two of you. Father, I pray for these in Jesus' name. Let the hand of God be upon them, and let those who are here and at home, I pray, open their hearts today to be touched in a new way. May their love for God become obvious. Now, every hand lifted, please. We can recommit ourselves to loving God first. Come on, hands high. We can recommit ourselves to putting you first as a church, as a people, as fathers, as husbands, as wives, as single folks. We commit to you being first and not our boyfriend, not our girlfriend, not our wife, not our husband, not our children. You are first. And we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Did you enjoy today? I hope it helped you pray.